When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mike, your host, and today I am celebrating one year of the podcast. And today to celebrate with me, I have Matt, the lead singer and guitarist from the band Wraith, killer thrash band that I have absolutely fallen in love with their music. And of course, I have Mr. Sean Mickles from the band Kayfabe here to promote his new album. And he was the first guest on the podcast. Back after one year. Took him a whole damn year, and he lives 20 minutes down the street. So, Matt, uh, how you doing today, buddy? Oh, I'm pretty good, man. How are you? Uh, I feel like hell. I just quit smoking. <laughs> It'll get easier, I'm sure. So, uh, Does we... that mean the tagline to the first episode has to change? I was just about to say that our tagline on the first episode was, uh, what was it? Caffeine and nicotine are our gasoline. Yeah, no more. <laughs> well, not completely. I'm using these nicotine pouches to ease me off of it, so... And I still have a fucking rain in my hand, so we'll raise some hell either way. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, Matt, I'm going to let you go first, buddy, because uh, if you're like me, you're tired of hearing Sean shit. Um, <laughs> we do save the best for the main event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where's Randy Savage then? Um, <clears throat> we'll, we'll try to contact said member. I could play. Macho Thrashing Mike today. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, brother. Let me tell you. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, uh, give you a minute here. Kind of talk about Wraith. Let us know where you can find you on social media. Uh, let us know about your new album. All of that, sure. man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we've been staying pretty busy. Got a bunch of shows uh, coming up the rest of this year. Hopefully some announcements in the coming weeks. Uh, we're working on some new material. We ra- uh, track some stuff. Uh, there should be announcement regarding some new music. I know uh, Under the Chains is still relatively new. I think it came out about eight, eight or nine months ago. It's like November. Mistaken. Yeah, uh, just yeah, yeah. So about about eight months, about eight months ago, uh, I've just been playing the hell out of those songs, trying to work as many as we can into some of the live shows. Seems like people have been digging it, which is always very cool when you're putting out music. It's always nice to have that response. So. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been a busy year post-pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I actually heard about you guys on Twitter. Uh, somebody I know it's a tape collector shared a, a CD, which was unusual oh, for cool. him. <laughs> and it was actually kind of a buzz on Twitter for a minute, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very cool. I'm glad I heard I'm it. I'm, I'm a big thrash guy, so. Sweet. Yeah, you were asking where to find us. Uh, honestly, I always tell everybody, at Race Thrash on Instagram, uh, and then there's a link tree, and that link tree is going to have our 
uh, like Bandcamp merch. It's going to have tickets to shows that are coming up. Um, it's going to get you to our Spotify or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our website. So if you want to go to Instagram at Ray Thrash, the top link is the link tree. That will direct you to literally any website that we have. Very smart. I use a link tree myself. Yeah, it's easier. just consolidates it all in one spot. How about you, Sean? Do you have a link tree yet? Our management over at Kayfabe Media is slightly on everything right now updating. So our Spotify, our iTunes, all of that has just been refreshed. Uh, the new album updated. We had some conflict with some other artists being on our page. They're now removed. Yeah. So everything is coming in line so the link tree should be about a week, a week away for all the socials to be there. Uh, the band camp just got announced uh, and updated. I don't know how far your reach goes, but in France, we were on the radio on La Zone last week, which was crazy to hear. Couldn't make out half the words because Sean doesn't speak French. <laughs> you speak French all the time, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I'm actually holding the new Kayfabe album right here. I tell you what, though, I think the best thing looking at this thing is looking at Recorded in the Square Circle at Savage Sword Studio by Metal Thrashing Mike. And we do owe a great amount of gratitude towards you, Mike. Thank you so much for helping us out with this project. It was a big undertaking. Definitely. Well, the next one will be an even bigger undertaking. Hopefully not 16 tra 15 tracks worth. Matt, what what do you guys typically put on an album? Are you guys more an EP band or what? Uh, well, I mean that's always been kind of a point of contention for us, I guess, because we we say that we have four full length albums out, uh, but I think Undo the Chains is the longest at like thirty minutes, maybe. So we typically ten songs, seven to ten songs, and then uh, we don't pay too much attention to how long the release is for us. Uh, you know, a song if it feels right, it three and a half minutes and it's going to be three and a half minutes. If it feels right at a minute, then it's going to be a minute. <laughs> we just try to compile, you know, the best material we can and, and release it as one kind of cohesive thing. That's, that's pretty much the same way we do it. I mean, we say 16 songs, but I think it's like 33 minutes or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I know that some people focus on, you know, if the full length is defined by, the length of the record or whatever but I, for us it just a release is a release we just want to piece it together and put it out kind of the best way we see fit i think that's a little more forgiving in the digital age for sure yeah yeah I, I mean i know i've had a lot of guests on here that they just do singles and then you know they talk like well when the time's ready and we got enough songs we'll just release it as an album well yeah, just keep it all together as long as my hair looks good on the cover i'm fine <laughs> Uh, yeah, it looks all right. <laughs> it's a little messy. I'm just a decent guy. You look like you just got a Stone Cold Stunner on here, honestly. <laughs> Matt, are you a wrestling fan by any chance? I am, yeah. I'm actually a huge wrestling fan. Okay, cool. So, uh, let's kind of open this thing up a little bit. You know, we hadn't really talked a lot of wrestling on here since the first episode, and I think the last time I talked wrestling might have been, God, might have been Grey Puffer. It's been a long year. So, uh, who's your all-time favorite wrestler, Matt? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, 
You can, give me a, you can give me a Mount Rushmore if you like. Okay. Um, I would say Stone Cold has to be there. Uh, Bret Hart. Mm. Can it be wrestling personalities? Does it have to be a wrestler? Well, we can do personalities. I'm cool with that. Like, I'm a Jim Cornette guy. Hell yeah. Can't, can't, get, can't go wrong with some, with some corny. Uh, and then I think Undertaker. That seems like a fair Mount Rushmore. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Cornette was a great manager, too. So. Pretty sure I heard one name missing, but, you know. Uh, no, we're not worried about that guy. He was too much trouble in the 90s. Isn't Shawn Michaels from... <laughs> pretty <laughs> yeah. sure he is like, Mr. Like, WrestleMania. What'd you call him? The, you said Sam's Club? Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah, that's Shawn Michaels. We got the Sam Club Shawn Michaels over here. Oh. <laughs> that's old Shawn Michaels. Uh-oh, how about, how about it, Shawn? Who's your uh, Mount Rushmore? I, I don't think you can deny putting Austin on there. Uh, I would never put Brett on my Mount Rushmore, ever. <laughs> so, uh, for obvious reasons. I don't think you could deny Flair. Oh, yeah. I guess I left Flair out. He would probably be close close contender for me. Okay, I got now uh, here we go into controversial territory. Is uh, I'm going to put Orton on mine. I don't think his legacy is done, but when we look back on it, I I think Orton's going to be that guy. And then my yeah. my fourth one uh how do you not put Vince on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling? Simple like this. It's Macho Man Randy Savage, Stone Cold Steve Austin, CM Punk. And the last one's always the hardest. It's always one. the hardest. Yeah, the last one's always the hardest. I could actually probably look up my wall and tell you something. Like four people is not enough. Four people's really yeah. not. Um, I'd probably pick Steamboat for me. I fucking love Ricky Steamboat. I would have loved to seen Steamboat and Flair go at it at that Ric Flair's last match. No, Steamboat doesn't need to do that. I don't want him getting injured. I can't believe Flair's going to do it. I can. <laughs> Motherfucker just won't give up. I can believe it, and I can believe that this will not be his last match. Not like, uh, this man... Uh, 20 years. This man is the kiss of wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> the Rolling he's, Stones. Yeah, he's been on a retirement tour for 20-something years. Yeah, He's just like the Scorpions. <laughs> he doesn't... He's, he looks like he's not in great shape, though. I know he's been, like, taking bumps with Jay Lethal and stuff, but... I don't know. He's had a few heart attacks. How, yeah, like, how, like, major injuries recently. How good a shape can you be at 70-something? Right. And the way that he lived his life. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. about to point out Bruno San Martino, but you know, San Martino took a lot better care of himself than Flair or anybody. So, yeah, Rick, Rick Flair has not had an easy seventy-something years. No, not at all. He's put it to the test. <laughs> so, uh, getting past the wrestling here, I kind of want to talk about some of your influences because once again, I'm a big thrash guy. So I, sure. I, I definitely got to know. Uh, who are some of the major bands that inspired Wraith? And how are they not Venom? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Venom is one of them, I think. Okay. It, that's probably pretty apparent. I mean, it's going to be all the ones that you would imagine. I would say we, what's what's the saying about ripping off music or whatever, the highest form, form of flattery? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I'm pretty shameless. Like, if I like what I like. I like. The way the, you know, early to mid-80s stuff sounded. So, for me, that's what I try to replicate. But, yeah, Venom, uh, early Metallica, Motorhead, 
records still more modern bands you know the toxic holocaust midnight um you know early municipal waste I, i used to really like and then there's a bunch of like punk influences i grew up i was probably a you know punk kid first so I love the simplicity of the Ramones and Black Flag, the Misfits. Like uh, that to me is how you write a good song. They, they kind of what I was saying about the time. You know, you don't. I don't focus so much on saying it's a thrash song, so it has to be three and a half minutes. Like, you know, Ramones wrote hundreds of songs that were a minute, minute and fifteen seconds, and they're you know perfect in my opinion. So, yeah, I think I get it, uh, take inspiration from both camps, punk and early thrash metal stuff. Well, that's a big part of thrash is punk. Yeah, and I think I'll, whenever I hear metal people say that they don't like punk, it always drives me nuts because you wouldn't have metal without it. Oh, dude, I have so many punk bands on. Well, I mean, hell, I got a punk guy sitting across from me right now. <laughs> yeah, okay, favor punk. So, I think I think we bridge that line to the punk hardcore. I'm telling metal you, the term scene. is crossover. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just need to accept it, and we need to have a match. And settle it, and uh, between punk and metal for you guys, and just hold up the crossover, hard, the crossover <laughs> hardcore music championship. <laughs> Is there a belt? Uh, you know, we really should make one. Well, we are the number one contenders for the hardcore music title, and as soon as we find the champion, we will have that match. So. Uh, you know, since you're both punk guys, go ahead and you want to you expand on that, Sean, about the punk rock? I think in, you know, now music is so accessible that if you don't combine things like thrash and punk, like everybody's heard punk music and everybody's heard thrash. Who's who's combining these things and who's making it better than what it was? Because everybody has access to so much now that it's it's trying to make something new or trying to improve upon the things that you like, that you want to hear. Well, that was a general element of the tape trading scene with Thrash. And that's how we got death metal and extreme metal in general. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, now it's more accessible, but I think that was definitely true with the tape trading scene in the 80s as well. And like it's Matt, it's cool to hear you like you're you're not shameful about oh no dude I like I like bands from the big four and I like it doesn't matter that they blew up or anything like yeah they blew up for a reason these are yeah that's, that's always my defense right I mean people everybody knows those bands and if you're a metalhead and you try to say you don't like you know Slayer Anthrax Megadeth or Metallica like you're either delusional or you're lying because there's songs on you know that those bands have put out that have literally shaped generations of metal bands you know and i I don't have any shame in saying that you'd take a lot of inspiration from that at all no absolutely not uh you know talking about growing and stuff i mean like i've started writing music too and i've I've actually got the first infernal tyrant album coming out on the 30th cheap plug (laughs) um and like you were talking about growing and expanding upon things like when I started, I was like, I'm just going to do thrash stuff. And then I just started kind of letting things go. And I think I might have wound up with a couple of Dream Theater things on there or something. <laughs> somehow I fused some fucking keyboards with thrash somehow. <laughs> yeah, man. It's wherever you get the inspiration from, honestly. It's just I, I always tell people, like, it, I'm not just a metal guy either, you know, or just a punk guy. Like, I like music in general. And I, I always say, uh, 
to me, it's about how genuine it is. If the person that's making the music is really passionate about it, chances are I like it. You know, I'm going to support it. That's that's really what it's all about. You know, it's not trying to fit any form or, you know, say that you have to make the world's best thrash metal album. Just make what you like and, you know, mean it. And usually that is enough to, for me to support it, at least. No, it's definitely like the uh, the Rush quote. Uh, modern machinery making modern music can still be open uh, open hearted. Yeah, that's all just a question of your honesty. Yeah, yep. your honesty. I mean, <laughs> in no way am I naive to think that oh, we're gonna come up with four chords that have never been used in music in this way. Right. There's only twelve notes. Yeah, like. Oh, we're the first people to discover this chord progression. That's never going to happen. And then we're going to show you the jazz band that did it for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, um, it kind of makes me think of like Stevie Ray Vaughan or some shit. He said in an interview one time that Jimi Hendrix was uh, showed up in his dream and was teaching him the secret chords. And right before Jimmy taught him the chord, he woke up. And that's a Stevie Ray Vaughan reference on a metal podcast. Absolutely. Well, I mean, there's a thrash guy. I here, uh, Kirk Hammett's a big Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. Oh yeah, I, I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. Can we can we talk about Kirk Hammett's solo album for a second? You know, I still haven't listened to it. Oh wow, it is uh, it's interesting. I, I've been flooded with bands, so I haven't had the chance to listen to Kirk as much as I love Kirk, and he was the reason I picked up a guitar. I mean, it's it, different. Yeah, different for sure. yeah. I mean, it's not Metallica. It's not even in the same camp. It's like. I don't know. It's not bad, though. It's cool that he's able to pursue other things, I guess, especially if, you know, that, I would rather that music doesn't appear on a Metallica record personally, so if he wants to do it solo and release it, then more power to him. Yeah, James is fine with it. I guess I was just <laughs> expecting more of a surfing with the alien type of vibe. <laughs> right, right. It was and, like a spaghetti soundtrack. No, I, no I, I didn't. I wouldn't expect that at all from Kirk. As much as much as you think of the fact that Joe taught him, if, if he's anything like Joe, he's looked at Joe's career and said, "Wow, this guy has expanded so much upon what he's done." Because almost every Joe Satriani album is completely different. I've got like three or four over there, and every one of them are different. Yeah, that's just vinyl. I've listened to all the shit, but you know, just right. knowing Kirk is a big blues guy, I just would have thought it would have went into some of that heavier blues. Riffage territory. Well, not necessarily. I've heard him make references to Jeff Beck before, and Jeff Beck is one of the most out there motherfucking Fair. guitarists ever. There are some riffs on that album from like uh, some kind of monster and things that that you hear, and as a fan, you notice it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Did you listen to the new Ozzy single with Jeff Beck? I have not. I have not. Did not even know that was a thing. Yeah, it's actually pretty good. I don't know how Ozzy keeps doing it, but yeah, it's. Uh, I guess his new Ozzy's new album is going to be like there's a bunch of guest appearances on it, and the first song they released was Jeff Beck playing guitar. It's pretty cool. You guys should check it out when you're done with the podcast. Absolutely. No, I'm, I love Jeff Beck. Um, Blow for Blow is like in the past year that's like slowly become one of my like favorite albums. Granted, that's like 50 or 60 albums, but. <laughs> <laughs> so how does it feel? Uh, we got a drummer over here trying to tell you about guitar. How's that feel, Matt? <laughs> I, oh, I don't care. Well, no, you know, here's the thing about this, too. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, and I want to share this about Sean over here. Sean writes a lot of the riffs for Kayfabe. Yeah, I don't necessarily consider myself a drummer as much as a musician. Like, if I could find another drummer, maybe I'd end up playing bass or something. 
Well, I mean, we always say that in race too. Like everybody in race writes riffs. Mike, our drummer, has written some of the coolest race race riffs. And he's an awesome guitar player, you know. And I, that's I think one thing that works for us in the writing process is that there's like no ego when it comes to the instruments. If I think a drum part's cool, you know, I'm I'm a half-ass drummer myself, so I, Mike doesn't care if I he takes my guitar. I'll get behind the drums. I'll kind of hash out, the, you know, the what I was hearing in my head for a drum part. And if it's good, it works. And if it's not good, we don't use it. It doesn't really matter who from. Well, I mean, you look at somebody like Charlie Bonani from Anthrax. I mean, oh yeah, he's a monster guitar player. Yeah, great riff writer. Yeah, or like I was talking about Rush a minute ago, quoting them. I mean, hell, Neil Peart wrote most of their lyrics because Getty and Alex <laughs> didn't want to write the fucking lyrics. Right, they just want to play the music. But I mean, hell, he was very well read, so it worked out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think honestly, I think that having that dynamic in bands is really important because it's a lot of pressure if you if you're supposed to just be the guitar player or just be the drummer you know that's a lot of a lot of work but when you can kind of shoulder that amongst four people where everybody's got you know some input and ability it makes the thing i think it's a lot more fun first of all and then it makes the whole process a lot easier i think it goes back to it makes the music more diverse as well sure yeah you, don't, a little bit. you know everybody has a writing style if i write 10 riffs you know you're going to be able to pick seven or eight of them out out of 20 and say, those are your riffs. I can tell you wrote that. Yeah, for sure. Everybody has that kind of signature style, but well, when yep. you, when you start getting more writing hands into the influence, even when you move those riffs over to another person, uh, I know like Slayer, for instance, Carrie King, if he wrote the riffs, he played all those riffs on the album. Right. If Jeff wrote the riffs, Jeff played them. So they were more tight when they recorded them. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that just makes sense. That's delivering the, kind of delivering the best product, right? Yeah, like, I know, because like, you nope. have that signature style. Right, yeah, and especially with something is usually as fast and intricate as, you know, thrash, you really can't afford to have the riff played different. I think it loses its impact that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's hard enough for one guitarist to get that shit tight. <laughs> Right, yeah, to do it twice or sometimes three or four times if you're quad tracking guitars. I know, God help the guy. Uh, I don't know how big of a Cannibal Corpse fan you are, but uh, Pat O'Brien, I remember watching a video of him one time and they were doing uh, the recording for Frantic Disembowelment. If you've ever seen the guitar playing in that, it is absolutely insane. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. I have not seen that. I, I would say I'm like a, I'm a middle-of-the-road Cannibal Corpse fan. There's obviously some songs I really, really like, but I, I have never really you know, started at the beginning of their catalog and, you know, listen to it all. Yeah, kind of the same here. I mean, it's it's pick and choose. I, I can't yeah. really look past their first album because it's so so much more old school. But, like, yeah. later on, uh, God, him playing that, and he's like, yeah, you got to record the guitar riff, like, four separate times. Then you watch him play the guitar riff, and you're like, how the fuck do you record that four times tight? <laughs> right. Sounds good. Yeah, that's a, that's a talent for sure. I mean, he's crazier than, you know, he's batshit fucking crazy, obviously, but <laughs> maybe that's yeah. how. Right, yeah, maybe maybe that's all it takes, just be crazy. But let me ask you real quick, man, because since I got you here, I like to ask everybody what they're, you know, how they started playing. Um, so how did you come about picking up guitar and becoming a musician? Uh, I, was, I grew up with, you know, my dad was a huge 70s, 60s, 70s rock and roll guy, you know, he like, Constantly playing music in the house, uh, always playing, you know, first first four Sabbath records and lots of Rolling Stones, Beatles stuff, Hendrix, Cream, MC5, like all the classic 70s bands. So 
I had an affinity for rock and roll from a really young age. And um, it was actually kind of funny. It was one of those things where I was at the age where I was trying to do, I wanted to do everything. You know, I wanted to play baseball. I wanted to play football. I wanted to skateboard all the time. And then one of the things on that list was get a guitar, but I had never played guitar. So I told my parents, yeah, 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 I want to play guitar now. And they're like, like, we can't, can't buy you a guitar. There's no, no guarantee you're going to stick with it. You know, if I buy you a, even a $150 guitar and you don't use it anymore, it's just kind of a waste. So I kept pestering them about it. And finally, my dad had worked it out with this music shop that was in our area for me to go there, I think once a week for a month and take lessons on like a guitar that they would lend me, like one from the showroom floor. And I did that. And if my dad said, if I stuck with it, he would get me a guitar. Um, so I was, I think I was 12 maybe, but yeah, I got off the bus one day and he bought me a BC rich warlock and, uh, I never went back to guitar lessons, but <laughs> I got the guitar. So that was kind of all I cared about. Where are you guys based out of Matt? Uh, Northwest Indiana, it's like 35 minutes South of Chicago. Yeah. I was going to ask you what the Indy, uh, the Indiana scene out there is like for metal. So in Northwest Indiana, we're so close to Chicago that really, like, we—it's all the Chicago metal scene. Uh, we just are—they call—they call people from our area region rats. So we're the region rats in the Chicago metal scene. Uh, but I would say we really are just aligned with them because of our proximity to the city. Um, but in, I mean, in, in Indianapolis, like Marion County, it's awesome. There's a great metal scene. We play indie Lafayette all the time. Um, there's always a lot of support. A lot of great bands, a lot of people show up. So we're kind of lucky, I guess. We can go north and have a good scene, or we can go south and have a good scene. So it's it's a nice area to be in. Hell yeah. Well, hey, Sean, let me ask you real quick. I think we've said it on the podcast before, but uh, just to refresh people, kind of how you got started playing drums and also what your surprising favorite Metallica album is. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you cannot criticize me for what my, first off, Justice is my favorite. So you can't give me shit about that. Oh, yeah, not, not your favorite. I'm sorry, your first. But I'll stick up for St. Anger against anybody who wants to. Okay? Fucking, it's, an, it's a piece of art. And then I'll remind you about Lulu. And then you got to forget about St. Anger so it doesn't count. Yeah, I feel like Lulu does not get the, the shit that it deserves. <laughs> People often talk about St. Anger. I think there's some good songs on St. Anger, though. I was, I've always kind of waved that flag. And now you hear them start to bring a lot of these songs out live, and Kirk's adding solos into them, and and the production's awesome. Like yeah. that's, that, was, I think what killed that record. The songs were too long. There was no solos, and the production was trash. But when they play them live, they sound awesome. They fit right into the set. You know, I think it's the case with a lot of bands too. Like honestly, like any newer Maiden, like well, once they play those songs live, I'm usually cool with it. Like Matt, let me yeah. ask you this: Do you guys write songs? And you, you knowingly write the song, and when you hear it back, you're like, oh, this song's a great song for the album, but we're probably never going to play this song live. Yeah, for sure. I think there's always songs that we write. Like Born to Die on Undo the Chains was one of those where it's a cool-ass song. And we were, you know, It felt like it earned its spot on the record, but we, st- we still haven't played it live. It doesn't mean we never will, but it's just one of those where we won't really know where we, where we would put it in the set because we don't want to lose momentum. Typically, we only have 30 to 45 minutes. That's like a four-minute long song, so we play two fast ones to get the crowd going, or do we play Born to Die? Um, but yeah, I mean, we do, I think we do that for sure. So it's it's just like Metallica. you got to wait till the Wraith 40-year anniversary <laughs> to hear every song off the album live before they play it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point down the road, I'm sure we'll play it. No, definitely. Kayfabe is the same way. Uh, you know, when we write songs, we're like, you only get so long on stage, so you want to showcase the best. Right, yeah, pick the good ones, or pick the ones you think are going to get a response. Sometimes, you know, we'll play songs that we just know are going to work the crowd up, you know, and that's live. We feed off that energy, so I want to see people running in circles, so I'm probably going to play a faster one. <laughs> Speaking of the best, uh, you know, are you still doing the best live? We are. We are still. Okay, good. As long as you're doing the, the Bret Hart tribute, and I have to watch old Sean Mickles up here suffer through a Bret Hart tribute song. <laughs> No, actually, uh, Born to Die, I, yeah, I was going to say, that is a really fucking cool song. It's very, like, old-school Motorhead sounding. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's just, like, our, my my influence and, you know, the band's influence kind of shining through. The fact that that song fits on a record with something like Cloaked in Black or Terminate, you know, I think it's nice because it, it, it does, the whole record represents our taste in music, you know? No, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say Cloaked in Black's probably my favorite song on there. That one's a lot of fun to play. It, it, it sounds like it is. That's very high energy. Oh, yeah. It's a workout. It's a right-hand workout. I was, I was about to say, how do, how, do you, uh, how do you go about writing lyrics? Because I know you play guitar and sing at the same time. So is there a, a certain, like, have you found certain patterns and stuff when you're going yeah. about this? Yeah, so I, this is the first band that I've ever been, like, a front man for. So the whole thing has been new to me. And if you listen to... You know, our very first release through Undo the Chains, I think there's definitely been an evolution. I've gotten more comfortable with it. Um, but typically what, what we'll do is that we always write the music first. So the song exists. I've never written lyrics and then wrote a, the music around the lyrics. So once we have the song, um, typically we'll do like a, the old cell phone recording, you know, just kind of something to have that we can listen to to see if we want to make adjustments. I'll take that and start to try to map out patterns. I always play guitar as I write the lyrics just to make sure that it's not, I'm not biting off more than I can chew because uh, I definitely want to be able to do it live. So I'll always try to play through the riffs and, you know, see if I can come up with a cool pattern and then I'll just write the lyrics based off that. Yeah, you definitely wouldn't want to mistain yourself there. This is, this is no. where I hurt myself as a drummer is writing songs and you want to write the best part you can and then it it's like well oh we want to play this live dude i i can't play that song 25 minutes into a set buddy yeah that's tricky man that's i definitely don't envy the drummer see this is the best part about me being desktop metal that's the term now it's desktop metal. no arguing with the drummer There's no arguing with the drummer and i just do what i want with my uh programming right yeah you punch in <laughs> the computer's not going to tell you no no, it's not. I don't have to worry about anybody playing it live either. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, you you definitely have to consider your other bandmates. I mean, I've been there before. Like I know when we had Malviant together, I'd be like, "Tom, can you do this fill there?" And he'd be like, "Fuck no, <laughs> no, I can't yeah. do that fill there." Are you gonna transfer? So, yeah, communication is key for sure. Even like when we build the live sets, we're always pretty mindful of making sure that Mike's got you know, ample breaks or we'll try to play something a little more mid tempo. Yes. We do like a, a block of six really fast songs just so he can kind of catch his breath. Cause that's, that's a workout. Yeah. No, I mean, you're about to do, uh, uh, do a pretty big festival, aren't you? I know you said you were kind of influenced by midnight. I mean, you're going to be on there with midnight. Yeah. I think we open or play like two bands before midnight, which is, it's awesome. It's dream come true that they put on such a cool live show, but yeah, that fest in India is going to be really, really cool. Yeah, I actually had the pleasure of seeing them open up for Creator in Atlanta one time. 
Very cool. Yeah, they found a great show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were awesome. Um, so we're about at the thirty-minute mark. Uh, I don't know how much time you actually have. Oh, I got a few more minutes. If, if yeah, had a couple more questions. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I was just gonna kind of condense this down, let everybody promote their socials, tell everybody about their new albums and stuff, their most recent releases, where we can find your merch. Yeah, so, sounds good. Uh, I'll let you go first, buddy. All right, uh, at Ray Thrash on Instagram, we'll bring you to the link tree. It's in the bio section. Um, that'll take you to Bandcamp, Facebook, Twitter, um, and pretty much any website that we have or uh, utilize. Merchandise is always posted on Bandcamp. I'm sure everybody already knows this, but the best way to support a band is to buy merchandise, uh, T-shirts and hats and all that stuff. You know, that that's money that kind of helps keep the machine moving. So uh, if you didn't know that, now you do. If, if you like a band a lot, try to snag a T-shirt or something from them because that does go a long way. Uh, we're playing some cool shows coming up. We have Wake Brewing July 2nd in Rock Island, Illinois. Playing Reggie's in Chicago on July 11th. Um, Heavy Hell in Indianapolis with Midnight and a bunch of other great bands later in the month, I believe. Uh, so we'll be busy. We'll be busy playing some Midwest shows uh, in support of Undo the Chains, which came out about eight months ago. Hell yeah. Actually, I want to throw in on your shirts because I actually ordered one of your shirts. I got the uh, I got one of the tank tops. And I, my, my worry with a shirt is always being, you know, six foot tall, 260 pounds. Is this thing going to be too short around my stomach? <laughs> And I yeah. was like, they must have a fat guy in the band because this thing, like, went down perfectly. Yeah, I'm always very particular with T-shirts, so I I, I get it. I, I always say that I have, like, a man body. I'm not built like a like a 16-year-old boy. Yeah, no. So I, I hate having fine T-shirts from bands and the sleeves are too tight, the chest is too tight, or it's too short, or it's like, you know, it looks like a parachute once you put it on and wear it for an hour or so. So I always, uh, I, I need the the man sized t-shirts <laughs> yeah no really enjoying my gate master tank top there's not a lot of bands offering tank tops like that either so i was like that's cool oh thank you man i appreciate you picking one up yeah i picked one of those and uh cd and a poster i don't know who i sent on trek to find that poster <laughs> <laughs> somebody had to do it who, who runs your twitter by the way uh chris our bass player yeah okay Okay, cool, because he was the guy I made the joke to. I was like, oh, great, you're sending me the bass player. This will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't like doing the interviews, which is totally fine. I don't mind it one bit. Yeah. Uh, well, Sean, <clears throat> I'll do a little uh, promotion here for you myself. So the new Kayfabe album's out. It's called Attitude. And, uh, you know, the new, uh, the new uh, wrestling ring attire for this album's great. You know, I'm glad to see Bulk in his NWO... KWO. KWO, my mistake. Sorry. His <laughs> KWO outfit here. Uh, we've also got uh, All Kind is now Peyote Jody. Part, loving... part of the three faces of Jody, yes. Yes. Uh, obviously, String's still here. He's just switched over to the red face paint. Onto the red and black. Lazy-ass bass players. And you are absolutely, uh, I gotta be honest, bro, this, this new outfit's awesome. You're rocking that attitude era. I mean, paying homage to the Montreal screw job. Uh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Bart hurt my arch nemesis. Yeah. So, uh, 
the new kayfabe album itself is just it, it's friggin awesome uh i having recorded i'm a little partial to things obviously i think one of the few the one of the few tracks i didn't get tired of while recording this thing for me was definitely bang bang there were like that's my that's my pick of the album there were a few songs that change in the studios. Matt, you guys ever have that problem? You get ready to record, and then you're like, well, this kind of sounds better. Let's let's okay. learn this real quick and then try to record it. Yeah, 100%, which is always kind of weird because I feel like I don't, I don't know what your process is. But for us, you know, I think we worked on some of those Undo the Chain songs for two years, year and a half. They had been floating around. So you get so accustomed to them being a certain way, and it just doesn't transfer to the recording. So you got to make that tweak, and then it's almost like it's a different song all of a sudden. Uh-huh. But, yeah, we definitely. Hundred percent. We yeah, we run into that same process. So uh, you know, I'm gonna let you do a little more uh, some of your own promoting. I just had to kind of throw my two cents in on the Kayfabe album. I think it's great, but there's a track we recorded that's actually missing. If you want to talk about that, um, there's a track we are not releasing from this album. Uh, we did a cover song for the Four Horsemen by Metallica in reference to. The Four Horsemen of Great, J.J. Dillon and Ric Flair. Uh, Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson. Kind of just did that for us in our own personal sense. But maybe in some promotional material coming forth pretty soon, you guys are going to hear snippets and clips of our version of The Four Horsemen. Uh, You can find us on Bandcamp, Twitter, YouTube, anything. Uh, It's Kayfabe. Punks, P-U-N-X. Yeah, definitely clarify that, because when I first went looking for you guys, it was like, there's a couple other people by Kayfabe out there. <laughs> if you search Kayfabe nine times out of ten, you'll just find, like, wrestling videos. So it's it's definitely uh, Kayfabe Band, where we have all the licensing now to any band that would ever try to use that name. So you'll always find us under Kayfabe Music, Kayfabe Band, Kayfabe Punks. Any support, you guys. uh, We're trying to get into some of these wrestling conventions right now. If you guys would like to see us at a convention, email these guys. Request for Kayfabe. Get a little more active on Twitter. I might be able to help with that. (laughs) We are uh, actually right now, it's kind of a weird time in Kayfabe with... With Bolt kind of turning heel on us and everything going down, uh, we're going to take this next month and maybe try to write two or three new things for this EP we're working on, set to come out maybe December or January this year. Oh, we're doing an EP this time. See, this is news for me. I'm learning shit on my own damn podcast. (laughs) So... Uh, once again, uh, you know, Sean, thanks as always. I'm glad I could finally get you here, uh, you know, even though you're 20 minutes down the fucking road. Uh, <laughs> Matt, thanks again. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. It was, it was a blast. I appreciate it. Um, you know, this is my one-year anniversary episode. We're actually going to call it, in reference to my comic nerdum, the annual number one. <laughs> so this is annual number one, guys. Uh, be sure and check out some of the, the past episodes to see some of the great artists that have been on here. I'd like to thank a lot of them. You know, uh, In particular, I'd like to thank uh, you know, Tommy Stewart and the guys from Black Doomba. They've been a big help to this, You know, being able to have access to all those bands. I'd also like to thank uh, somebody who's been helping me get a lot of bands for this. Uh, I'd like to thank Online Metal Promo on Instagram. 
Uh, Ben's been a great help. Ben, if you're listening, thank you. You know, I've gotten a lot of great bands out of him. Uh, be sure and check out my YouTube channel, guys. I've actually started putting some videos on there. There's a great one with me and Sean Peck from Cage and Death Dealer and the Three Tremors. And we talk about Doctor Strange the whole time. Um, you know, I uh, just did a video on there for uh, a friend of mine from Twitter. She just started a podcast called The Metalheads Podcast. So be sure and check that interview out. Guys, thanks for this past year. Uh, it's meant a lot to me personally. Uh, thanks to all the bands, of course. You know, that's any band that does this, you know, it means a lot to me because I'm really trying to grow this thing. But at the same time, I'm also trying to help out all the bands that come on here. You know, this isn't just for me. I enjoy talking to all you guys that come on here. It means a lot to me because I get this chance to kind of personally talk to someone that understands a little more of uh, the metal side of things, you know, over here and especially over here in Georgia in the middle of Dalton, you know, there's not a lot of metalheads at all. So it, it's great to have these conversations and stuff and, you know, kind of be able to open up a little more about these things. Um, so guys, once again, thanks for listening. Be sure and follow on Twitter at Mike thrashing, uh, Instagram at metal thrashing nerd podcast, metal thrashing nerd podcast on Facebook. You can catch me on YouTube. Um, be sure and check out the YouTube channel. You just type in Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast. My stuff will come up. And, you know, thanks to both of you guys for doing this. Be sure and check out Wraith's new album, Undo the Chains. It is fucking killer. And if you have the time, of course, check out the new Kayfabe album, which I actually helped record right here at Savage Sword Studios. And uh, it means a lot to have, uh, you know, Sean here. It meant a lot to have you guys here to record that album. As irritating as it can be, it was super fun, and I'm very proud of the product that you guys have put out and the job that Ty did mixing it. I feel very lucky for the support team that we have. Uh, you guys are awesome. Our fans are awesome. Uh, we're going to find our way out to Indiana and have ourselves a death match with Wraith probably maybe 2023, so look out for that. We'll be in contact. Yeah, awesome. I'd like to see that. I'll travel out to Indiana to see that. I'll, I'll be <laughs> off work. Let's do it. Absolutely. Matt, thanks again. Enjoying the new album. Sean, thanks again. Really loving the new album. A little biased on that, of course, but, you know, guys, thanks again. Um, hey, love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Peace. Looking for some new podcasts to listen to? Well, look no further than the Ratsaw Review Network. Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including... The flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs, such as Album vs. Album, Screams from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metal's Musings, The Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike, The Timo Toki Podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki, The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry, Just the Cheese Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam, and The Music is Live Podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. The Ratsaw Review Network. We're, We're taking, taking over. over.